It's amazing to me how many people desire to grow in their walk with God, regardless of where they are in the journey. So they ask for more faith. Many people pray for it. Other people say, if I come to church, maybe I'll just serendipitously get it. However, the scripture is very clear about how we get more faith. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God as Romans chapter 10 verse 17 reminds us. So our prayer for you as you hear this message is that your faith would go from where it is to where God intends it to be. Grow as you hear this word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can we worship Jesus? Oh, come on. Can we worship our Lord and our Savior, Jesus? He's so wonderful. I, I was instructed. I, I was instructed of the Lord this morning to bring my anointing oil. And, and for those that are watching... Don't you dare let technology keep you from experiencing a breakthrough and experiencing God. You all, some people come to church to hear singing. Some people come to church to hear the preacher. I, I, I want to let you know if those are the reasons that you come, you, you really coming for the wrong reason if that's what you're coming for. You'll, you'll hear great singing, you'll meet preaching and all that, but we come to meet with God and let me just say to some of you who allow listen allow your pride to stand in the way of your miracle that means sometimes we don't want folk to think something wrong with us because we need a miracle so we will sit in our seat and act like we don't need a miracle because we don't want somebody to look at us and say, well, I bet you something wrong with them. And, some, and, you, and you will miss God moving a mountain. You will miss God giving you the power to keep you. Let me speak to the singles. Take it down. Shh, shh. Let me just say this to the singles in this place. We, we quickly just jump over the fact that some of you not all of y'all now some of you have chosen to honor God with your singleness nobody who's married has any clue what it's like to decide to say no to your flesh until Jesus sends you somebody and I want you to know you are not fighting this battle without prayer cover you're not in this battle alone and God is faithful and sometimes listen because I need some of y'all to come to the altar because your heart's been broke and some of y'all been in soul ties and and they walked off but you still tied to them so every time you see them on Facebook you get depressed and drive down the street where they lived and you get sideways the devil is alive because no person has the power to make you only what God can make you. So I don't know who's broke your heart. I don't know what mountain of maybe physical illness. I don't know if you need to be kept. Let me tell you something now. Some of us need to be kept. Some of us need God to keep us. Let me just put, some of you need God to keep your legs closed. Let me kind of, do I need to go there like that? We need God to just keep it in the pants. Come on now. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. And we need a miracle from God sometime for that to happen. And for those who've been wounded and broken by relationships or exes that have broken your heart, God's healing power is here. His keeping power is here. I wouldn't want a God that I could not experience. So are you hearing me? So if you're in the room, if you're online and you know you need a mountain move, you need some keeping power, you need God to do something that only he can do, would you make your way to the altar? Don't, don't, don't hesitate. I don't, don't, don't see who's going to move first. Make your way to the altar. Make your way to the altar. Make your, it might be for your marriage you might need a miracle in your marriage you better hear me 
God is able to do it. And don't you be too proud to sit there and act like you don't need a miracle. Let me say something to you. The worst thing is for God to say, I'm in the room and I'm ready to meet you where you are and I'm ready to move the mountain. And you're too proud to say, no, I'm not going to get up because I don't want nobody to look at me. I don't care who's looking at me. I need God to do something. Amen. How many of y'all know you need God to do something and only God can do? I need our ministers that are here to come down and if you all would just surround those that are here just and pray for them. But those that are online, I know this is going to sound strange. I'm not one of those weird people. But get close to the computer. Get close to your phone. I believe that there are times that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, He's present to do some things that only He can do. And I don't know what miracle you're standing in need of. I don't know what mountain you need moved. I don't know what wound you need healed. I don't know what power you need to keep you because you're about to lose it. But God knows. And He sees you. And He's able to meet you right where you are. Would you bow your heads in prayer? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you so much for the obedience of your servants. We thank you, Lord God, for the obedience of these, your people, who decided to say, you know what, God, I know that there's a mountain in the way that I need you to move. I know that there's a heart that's been broken, that I've built up walls. I don't trust nobody no more. But God, I need you to give me the ability to trust people again. I know others, oh God, are in need of physical healing. They got a report from the doctor that's not favorable and they seemed overwhelmed. And, and Father God, I pray that whatever the need is, whatever the situation or the circumstance is that these your children are facing, we know that you've got power to move every mountain. You've got power to heal every broken heart. You've got power to lift up every bowed down head, oh God. You've got power to restore that that the enemy thought could never be restored. You have the power to keep us, oh God. I thank you that you are keeping God. And so God, would you do now only what you can do? Now, child of God, I need you to do something. The Bible says that faith calleth those things that be not like they already happened, like they already were. That means you don't need to see it to begin to thank him for it. But you can thank him in advance that you know that he's able to move the mountain. He's able to heal the hurt. He's able to heal your body. He's able to make a way. So in faith, would you begin to open your mouth and give God thanks for your marriage being saved, your kids being delivered, your body being healed, your mind being regulated, your body being kept, the finances opening up. Come on now, open your mouth. If you believe it, then give him a praise that is commensurate with what you believe. Oh God. Oh God, we give you praise already for what you'll do. We give you thanksgiving already for what you're doing. You're moving behind the scenes. You're rearranging situations. You're calling those things that be not like they already happened. Thank you, Lord God, for putting us in front of the people that will give us the job and give us the loan and, and waive the payment. Oh, God. Oh, God, thank you, Lord God, for healing the heart that has been broken for years. Give hope to the hopeless, oh God. Give hope to the hopeless, oh God. Would you encourage your daughter? Would you encourage your daughter, God? Would you encourage your son? Would you encourage your son, oh God? If you don't mind, would you find somebody near you? And if you got COVID issues, then, I, then be mindful. But if you don't, just find a moment to just touch them and put them on the shoulder and just say, God's got this. God's got this. Would you do that? Tell them on the other side, tell them God's got this. And then give God praise as you return to your seats. Hallelujah. Oh, God. Oh, God. Yes, God. Yeah, God. Yeah, God. Yeah, God. One word you have from you, chains have to lose. I don't care what chains seem to be on your life. All Jesus got to do is say one word. 
One word can change the whole situation. I'm a living witness. When God speaks, he can change the situation. Anybody ever had a situation turn around because God decided to get in the middle of it? Come on now. Don't, don't, don't sit here and act like God ain't made a way out of nowhere. Anybody grateful that God has shown up in your life in supernatural ways? Then let the redeemed of the Lord say something with your mouth. Come on, open your mouth and give him a praise. The fruit of your lips. From you. From you. Listen, listen. In a few minutes, listen. In a few minutes, all of America is going to be screaming about some people running a football down a field. Halftime screaming about a singer running around on a stage. No Kansas City chief ever paid your bills. No, 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 no eagle ever healed your body. Yet you're going to give them all your energy this afternoon. I'm just wondering, is there anybody in the house of the Lord that knows that God has been good to you? And you're not, a, you're not ashamed to open your mouth. Open your mouth. The fruit of your lips. The fruit of your lips. The devil doesn't want you to praise him. Because when you praise him, that's when God comes in. of his people. God dwells in the midst of your praise. A little praise means a little God. But a big praise means a big God. Open your mouth. none of this but I had a birthday last year and I was in hospice over 30 years ago don't tell me what God cannot do hallelujah he's been good to you he's been good to you you may not have all you want but he's been good to you <laughs> all right no no man okay that's enough that's enough that's enough that mm. Mm. Hallelujah. Yeah. Let me just say this, you all. Uh, I've been I've been around for a little minute and uh, started preaching in 1986. And I, I've seen church folk. And some folk. <laughs> that don't really feel comfortable with praise, that ain't really their thing. I've seen the Lord put them in some situations where it became your thing. You didn't want to really call on the Lord because that looked strange. But then you lost your job and cancer came to you. Listen, I'm not gonna wait for something bad to happen. I'm not gonna wait for something bad to happen. To give him the glory for who he is. Is there anybody here that's willing to give Jesus a praise? That's worthy <laughs> of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I gotta move. I gotta move. I gotta move. I gotta move. 
I gotta move, but uh. I just got a question. Anybody ever had a praise concert in your car? Anybody ever been in your car and you had a concert in your car? Anybody ever been in Kroger? I don't know. It's have you ever been in Kroger and just remember when you didn't have nothing and you was in produce? Anybody ever had to pull over on the side of the road and just say, God has been too good for me and too good to me for me not to give him praise? Let me just say this. I used to always wonder about people in church who made so much noise. I'm telling you, listen, shh, I really did. I never understood why in church people were clapping and dancing and running and singing and bowing and saying hallelujah. I, I didn't understand that. And I remember telling my mama one time, mama, why are all these people so loud? Why don't they just sit down somewhere? And mama said, baby, keep on living. And let me tell you something. When the doctors told me that, Harvey, even if you happen to get healed, because of the calcium deposits in your body having been deficient, your bones are too brittle. You'll never walk again. So when you see me running and dancing, do you bit more think I care at all what you think about how I look? And I'm just wondering, are there anybody in the room that you don't really care about what other people think about how you look at? For about two minutes. For about two minutes. God, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Thank y'all. Thank you. Uh, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus. Loves me for the Bible tells me. You know this one, everybody knows this. Can we just sing one verse of that together? Yes, yes, Jesus loves me. He loves you, He loves you. Yes, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me for the Bible tell me oh, how I yes. love Jesus oh how I love Jesus oh Father, we thank you for your love towards us, and we thank you that that's unquestionable. God, as we approach another Valentine's Day and people are in different spaces and places, Father, I pray that you would not let a spirit of discouragement 
pray that you would not let a spirit of depression and sadness touch your people. God, I pray that none of that will come nigh their dwelling. But Father, I thank you that one thing we can know for sure, if we're not sure if family folk love us, if we're not sure if friends love us, we know, Jesus, you love us. And you loved us before we loved you. And you chose us before we even thought about choosing you. And we thank you. Father, we pray that your word would be a lamp to our feet and a light on our path. Would you help us, Lord God, to learn more about you and to become transformed into your image and likeness. We'll be so careful, God, to not take any credit or turn the light on us, but turn the light on you. And it's in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we pray. And all that agree with this said, amen and amen. Come on, give the Lord another praise. Jesus, become he first. Amen, amen. So grateful and so thankful for all of you that are here and for those that are watching online. We never take for granted uh, the choices that people have. Uh, whether you're in person or whether you clicked on, it was a choice. And we're so humbled and thankful that you decided to be a part of our worship today. If you're visiting with us, both in person or online, once again, we're thankful for you visiting. Uh, our prayer is that something would be said, something would be experienced or heard that would draw you closer to Jesus. That's our number one aim. More than joining our church, we want you to join Jesus. That's more significant than anything. And so that is our prayer. Uh, we want to be reminded that uh, we're praying for those that are sick and shut in so many of you that are recuperating and uh, in hospital and at home uh, we're just praying for so many of you that uh, in in those situations but we also want to sadly announce that one of our members sister Ruthie McCoy went home to be with the Lord this week and so those of you that know Katrina and Solomon and that family, uh, please lift them up in your prayers as they are preparing for the home-going celebration. But one thing I know, I, was, I had many chances to be with her uh, by her bedside, and one thing I know is she knew Jesus. And, uh, and what a blessing it is when somebody dies and goes home to be with the Lord uh, that we know where they're going. You all, we have been in a series of messages this year focusing around the centrality of the Word of God. This is so important, you all, because uh, if we don't get the beginning right, we'll get the end incorrectly. Uh, everything hinges on what we feel, what we understand, and what we believe about the Word of God. Now, the great thing about God is God gives every human being what we call free will or free choice. Uh, unlike an animal or unlike uh, plants who don't have really the ability to have a choice, they operate by instinct. You and I have the ability to choose. We can choose to accept something. We can choose to reject something. And so for some people, they choose to say, well, you know what? The Bible is not for me. Uh, the Bible is not something I can trust. The Bible is not something that I can really depend on. And so again, that is a choice that you have. But those of us who profess a relationship with Jesus and call ourselves Christians, uh, our holy book, our scriptures, our rule of life is the word of God. And so you all, we talked about what the Bible says about itself in the beginning. It says in the beginning was the word, the word was with God. And, and then we said the word was God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, then we went on to talk about how did the, the Bible come into formation? Uh, the 66 books that we currently have, how did we arrive at those? And how other people have different kind of translations that have uh, apocrypha translations or sometimes they have other gospels, the gospel of uh, Peter and, and these other kinds of things. How is it that we as Christians have 66 books of the Bible? So we talked about the canonizing of scripture and how we landed on the collection of Old and New Testament scriptures. Then we went into what the Old Testament scripture uh, formation look like, the time frame, uh, the various authors that God breathed through to write and to pen uh, the books of the Old Testament. And then we also talked about the New Testament and we did the same thing. And so you all, today I want to kind of focus this Black History Month and I want to kind of turn the corner and talk about the, the ways in which the Bible has been misused. 
the way in which the Bible has been misused and the way in which Christianity also has been misused. Let me begin by saying this. Some of you all uh, have chosen to not be a follower of Christ or not be a Christian because of the way that Christians act. Uh-huh. As a matter of fact, it was Mahatma Gandhi who said, uh, your Jesus I might follow, it's just your Christians that I can't. So here was somebody who was not a believer in, in Christianity, but said, you know what, I might even consider being a Christian if it weren't for Christians. And so you all, there are many people who uh, have turned away from the church, uh, turned away from God, turned away from the Bible, uh, not because of what God did to you, uh, not because of what Jesus did or didn't do to you, but because of what the church did, right? Uh, and not only that, there are many people that don't believe in the Bible because of the way and ways in which the Bible has been mishandled and misappropriated. And so let me just begin to say, to, especially to our Gen Z and uh, our millennials, uh, for many of you, you're asking lots of intelligent questions. And I think it's good to be in a space where your questions are invited. Uh, you all, there was a time in church where you just had to shut up and be quiet. How many of y'all know that? When you had a question, you couldn't answer, no, you couldn't ask no question. Because if you asked a question, don't you be questioning God, right? Uh, but young people have serious questions about Christianity and the Bible and how it was formed and the patriarchy that's in it. Sometimes the misogynistic terms, and sometimes issues of slavery and, and a lot of other things that really just don't make a lot of sense to these young minds. And so they're not being critical about Jesus. They're not being critical about God. They just want to get a greater understanding as to why these things exist in the Bible and in the name of God and in the name of Jesus, why have Christians done so many bad things? And so we're going to look at some things that have happened and maybe shed some light uh, on kind of the, uh, the origin of this. So you all know Jesus um, began his ministry in Nazareth. Let's start with scripture. Proverbs chapter 14, Proverbs chapter 14, Proverbs 14. Beginning at verse 12, Proverbs chapter 14, beginning at verse 12. I'm reading from the message translation. It might read differently than the translation that you may have. I want to just read from the message today. But uh, Proverbs 14, verses 12 and 13 says this. There's a way of life that looks harmless enough. Look again. It leads straight to hell. Sure, those people appear to be having a good time. But all that laughter will end in heartbreak. Uh, it says there's a way of life that looks harmless enough. Another translation says there's a way that seemeth right unto man. But it says, look again, it leads straight to hell. And another translation says, but the end is destruction. In other words, the way that we think is not always the way that God thinks. The Bible says that, listen, your ways are as far from God's ways as the heavens are from the earth. He says the way that God thinks, the way that God operates, listen, the way that God even views what is right and wrong is so different than the way that you and I do. And so when we try to figure out how do we then uh, make sense out of how the church got to where it is, we need to go back and look at some things that occurred. So Jesus began uh, his ministry uh, in, in Nazareth and, and in that area and region, and the ministry of Jesus primarily was to the Jewish people. Now, he came to save the world, but he fulfilled the messianic promise that God gave to the Jews. He said that I'm going to send a Savior and a Messiah out of the line of David, out of the Jewish lineage, and he's going to be your deliverer and your savior. Now, he didn't mean he only was going to be their savior, but he did come to the Jew first, all right? So the ministry of Jesus primarily was in a very small geographic uh, location, primarily towards the Jewish people. But then you all, God did a marvelous work when he saved the apostle Paul. Paul's name was Saul. He was a righteous Jew who really was concerned about this Christian movement. He believed that this Christian movement was not in line with Judaism and the things that he grew up uh, with as one who was a part of the Pharisees. And so he went out prosecute, persecuting those who were trying to be Christian or to uh, per perpetuate Christianity. On one of his uh, uh, persecution missions, uh, he's on his way and he encounters God. 
And God says, Paul, why are you Saul? Why are you persecuting me? Uh, and in that moment, uh, he encountered Jesus and got saved. Saul's name became Paul. Uh, he went on, you all, to become the writer of the bulk of the New Testament and one of the greatest church planters of that time, going in that region and ministering to various communities and planting churches. The difference between, listen, the difference between Paul's ministry and that of Peter and the other apostles is that Paul was called to the Gentiles. Say Gentiles. Now, whether you know it or not, there's just two categories of people in the Bible, Jews and everybody else. That the term Gentiles mean anybody that's not a Jew. All right. So when Paul came along wanting to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to people that were non-Jewish, the Jewish people said, wait a minute now. Jesus came of the line of David for us. We don't want those people to necessarily get to, get to be saved. So even he and Peter, who was uh, kind of the first pastor of the church at Jerusalem, had a lot of arguments and contention. But they finally agreed that he uh, was an apostle sent by God to the people uh, who were Gentiles. Now this is going to make some sense. So during the time that Christianity began to grow in popularity, you all, uh, it, it grew in the, uh, the kingdom or the empire of Rome. Rome had a Caesar who was considered God, all right? Caesar was considered a God. And they had many, many other gods, uh, kind of this polytheistic uh, religious system where they could worship this God and worship that God, worship the other God, but ultimately Caesar was God. And so as Christianity began to grow inside of this pagan country or pagan nation, they began to persecute Christians. They began to kill them and they began to martyr them. As a matter of fact, the Colosseum would be filled with the blood of Christians as animals would be released and uh, lions would be released to tear them limb from limb. Uh, and many of them, you all, this is what was so amazing as they were, listen, as they were waiting in line to be, to be persecuted and to be killed, they were asked, can I go next? Can I go next? They, they were so, they counted dying martyrdom is such a privilege to die similar to Jesus they were asking and begging can I go next and you all listen can you imagine being a Roman soldier watching these people desiring to die for their God well, Constantine, uh, who became an emperor, uh, was so moved at the way in which Christians were loving. Listen, you all, no other religion, no other religion talked about love. No other religion talked about everybody being accepted. No other religion said that, listen, no matter what you've done, you can be accepted by God but Christianity. So it became something very appealing uh, to Constantine. So he himself became a follower of Jesus Christ. But not only that, uh, a pivotal moment. Constantine decided to make Christianity the religion of the empire of Rome. So Rome became the Holy Roman Empire. And it became the Holy Roman Empire because Constantine, the emperor of Rome, said, I'm saved, I know the power of Jesus, but now I want all of the country to know the power of Jesus as well. Are you following this? All right, so Constantine now moves uh, for the Roman Empire to become the Holy Roman Empire. Christianity is the main religion. Now watch this now. For the first time now, we see a secular society now blending church and state together where for the first time this kind of heathenistic group of people that had a million gods are now saying that the state religion is Christianity and therefore not only do we believe in Christ but we believe that the elected officials and the people representing Rome are also uh, to be considered as holy people and so over time when Constantine died and he uh, got off the scene his successors began to see themselves as both bishops or civic leaders and also pontiffs. So they saw themselves as priests and elected officials. They began to blend uh, religion and politics. Are you following this? It's going to make sense now because it's going to come up to where, where we are right now. And so... The Holy Roman Empire uh, viewed anybody that was not a Christian as someone that needed to be converted. And since it is a state religion, 
part of their process of taking over other countries would be that they would also become Christian. Are you following this? All right, so, um, so now uh, the people that are in charge, they begin to blend the roles. Yes, I'm emperor. Yes, I'm over a, pro a province, but I'm also a priest. I can also speak on behalf of God. They're kind of blending that emperor is God concept into now I'm an emperor, child of God, but I'm also speaking on behalf of God too. So now you have politicians who also were acting on behalf of God. St. Augustine uh, is, a, is a, a theologian who wrote a book called uh, City of God. And in that book, he said that he believed that literally any nation that feared God could be what the Bible says, a, a, a house on a hill uh, that cannot be hid, a, a light that cannot be put out. So they believed that countries and nations and states could be a city of God where literally God's power would be behind that nation that they could blend their politics and theology together. So Augustine's book on the city of God became kind of the, uh, the playbook for how many of these various uh, states and these various kingdoms move forward. In 632, uh, the prophet Muhammad uh, died and Islam began to spread all over the known world at that time. So realize there's, there's the, the, the Roman Empire, and now it's kind of beginning to decline a bit, but now Muhammad has died, and the message of Islam is now spreading around the world in that day. Um, spreading so much, you all, it was actually more people converting to Islam than to Christianity. So as awesome as Christianity was, even though Rome had it as a, a, a religion of their empire, Islam was still spreading more than Christianity is spreading. Tell somebody next to you, he's going somewhere with this. All right, so Antioch, Alexandria, Jerusalem, and Constantinople, you know Constantinople came from Constantine, all right? Uh, they became Muslim-governed and run cities. So the most prominent Christian cities flipped to now be controlled by Muslims. So Muslims were in government, Muslims were in leadership, Muslims were in elected positions, and now there was a tension between the Christians who at one point were over and ruling and in charge and the politicians, and now these Muslims that are now in charge. Are you following this? All right. So as a result, they said, we need to convert these Muslims to Christianity. And that is where the Crusades began. Some of y'all may not know about the Crusades, but in the, listen, but in the name of Jesus, I can cut your baby's head off. No city, no town, no country, nobody was, if you did not convert to Christianity, you died. It was called a holy war. How did it get that way? Because, again, the Roman Empire viewed this not only as a personal religion, but as a state religion. And when Islam confronted that, they said, listen, as we take over places and as we evangelize, we're not just going to tell you Jesus loves you, this I know. You're going to pray the prayer, and if you don't, you're going to lose your head. It was the bloodiest war that the world has ever seen with crosses on chests, crosses on shields, crosses going into war, literally killing people in the name of Jesus for state religion. Are you following this? And so as people look at the history, they say, wait a minute, I don't want to be a part of a religion that would do something like that. The Crusades created successive armies of Western Christians seeking to reconquer the holy places that were associated with the life of Jesus. Right now, if you go to Jerusalem, you will find Muslims, Christians, and Jews occupying together. But the holy place was considered where Abraham uh, met with God. That is controlled to this day in Jerusalem by the Muslims. And so out of anger and out of resentment, these Christians were gathering everything together to try to reclaim back the sacred things, the holy places that had now been defiled by these Islamic people. 
And so you all, uh, it, it failed uh, miserably. Um, that crusade and that campaign just did nothing but bring more shame and bring more tension and bring more dismay to people who potentially could have, could have accepted Christ, but because of the unnecessary violence said, I don't want to be a part of anything like that. And so you all, during this time, uh, for the most part, the church had evolved into, again, state church. The Holy Roman Empire also had uh, the Catholic Church uh, taking root. So the Catholic Church became the, the, the known church that most Christians officially connected with and responded to. Why is that the case? Because when Jesus said... Uh, um, Peter, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Uh, the Catholics believe that that literally meant Peter. That Jesus said, upon Peter, I'm going to build my church. And therefore, uh, out of the succession of those that come in the office of Peter, I'm going to build my church on popes like Peter. So every pope that has come after Peter, Peter was the Catholic's first pope. And they consider the Pope as the oracle of God. The Pope can say anything on behalf of God. And so the Catholic Church began to grow in its influence, grow in its um, uh, kind of renown. And then you all, they began to become wicked. And they uh, started selling indulgences. Where they, uh, where they said to somebody who was uh, on their deathbed or, or maybe getting close to their twilight years, uh, have you, have you been messing up in your life at all? Do you think you're going to go to heaven with what you've been doing? No, I know I'm not because I got drunk yesterday. Well, you know what? For $39.99, it's the truth. For $39.99, God <laughs> will look over your Hennessy run last night and you will be able to make it into heaven by paying this money to us indulgences look it up so over time people had to pay the priest money to get into heaven there was all kinds of uh, sexual abuse still happening today and so godly men and women particularly a monk by the name of Martin Luther were grieved and concerned about the state of the Catholic Church and all of the selling of indulgences and the sleeping around with kids and just all kind of stuff that was going on and Martin Luther said you know what uh, I'm gonna go to the church at Wittenberg in Germany this church that's a Christian Catholic Church and I'm gonna nail to its door the things that I feel are wrong with the Catholic Church and I'm gonna protest it and that's where the Protestant movement began so the Protestant movement began with Martin Luther's decision to pull away from the monkdom and pull away from the uh, Catholic Church and to reform the way in which things were going. So from 1483 to 1546, Martin Luther and the Reformation uh, caused reform to happen, not focusing on the papacy, uh, but focusing rather on individual relationship with God that you don't have to go through a priest to meet God you don't have to pay a priest you ain't got to go to a confessional booth you can go to God directly yourself unheard of at the time because the priesthood was everything he had to always go through that so he caused and started what we call the Protestant movement from clergy and church abuse to holy wars we saw the church continuing to use its name and continuing to use the word of God in ways that were not in line with God's word. Then comes America. You all, I've been in a partnership. I encourage you all that are able to join us this coming Wednesday uh, on the website. You'll find the Zoom link. We've been working with the church in uh, New Jersey for about two years around the subject of the church and race. Really going to be a good subject this coming Wednesday. I encourage you to check the website out about it. But one of the things that grieved me so much as I've done a deep dive into research about the missionaries and the early Christians in America. Now you all, um, how can I say this? How many of you know that sometimes you sin, but you still love Jesus? 
why is it that when other people sin who love Jesus they're a hypocrite but you on a journey I'm just curious why, why is it that when other people say you ain't nothing but a hypocrite but when it's you you on a journey I'm just on a journey with God I'm just not there you got God working I'm, I'm, I'm yet a work in progress right so I'm saying this you all so as I make these statements I don't need you to be endlessly mad at white people all right because I'm gonna say some stuff that some of y'all be like see I told you nothing but white devils I know you be careful to not go to that direction I believe that the people who came from Europe fleeing persecution uh, fleeing a lot of the religious injustices that we talked about came to these shores looking for a better life I really believe that I really believe that they came I believe that they were saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost but I also believed that they wanted to make some money for nothing and they figured out the best way to do it is to get some slaves. How could a person who loves Jesus and loves God and knows the Bible justify slavery? But every single pastor, every single religious group during that era, watch this now, they knew that it was right to evangelize slaves and it was right to evangelize indigenous people. So they did that, but they said, we're going to evangelize you, but we don't really believe you're fully human. They made a huge leap intellectually to give us the ability to get Jesus, but not change our situation or our circumstance. And so it was the early American church who misappropriated the Bible. Slaves, obey your masters. That was the scripture that they used to let slaves know the word of God is behind slavery. And so you all, during that entire time, the church that could have spoken out against it, the church that could have decried it, chose to be completely complicit and completely a part of it. Not only that, you all, today. Some of you all have been hurt by church. You've been hurt by pastors. You've been hurt by people in church. I opened up by saying, if you come to meet people, you have set a low bar. If you come to meet Pastor Kerry, I'm, go I'm going to disappoint you. You know why? Because I'm a person. And can I be prophetic? You going to disappoint me. It's going to be a mutual disappointment situation. Are you following me? But I'm not going to fall out with God because somebody acted ungodly. I'm not going to follow fall out with the word of God because some ungodly people did the wrong thing. Don't you dare turn away from Jesus. Don't you dare turn away from the scriptures. Don't you dare turn away from God because you've been hurt and you've been mishandled by ungodly people. Listen, you ought to pray for them. As a matter of fact, if they could do that and be who they were, something is really wrong with them. As opposed to being so into your feelings that you're upset about what they did to you, go back and ask the question, how could a pastor do that? How could a deacon do that? How could a first lady do that? And Lord, if they could do that, they must need prayer. Some of you all have never moved on. Because even at Citadel, you still hate your other church. And I'm not okay with that. Because can I tell you something? God ain't heard nan prayer you prayed since you've, been, since you've been upset with that pastor and upset with that church. How you know that? Because the Bible says if you do not forgive everybody, then God ain't hearing none of your prayers. None of them. But you don't know what they did to me. You don't know what you did to God. 
You don't know how many times you broke God's heart. You don't know how many times you lied to him. But yet, what does he do? He keeps blessing you, waking you up in the morning, making sure you got food, making sure you got clothes, making sure you got help, making sure your heart is pumping, making sure your COVID didn't get you. Don't you dare tell me that the love of God can be unconditional and you cannot have unconditional love for somebody else. Listen to me. Harvey does not have the capacity to forgive Negroes. I don't have it. You rub me the wrong way, I'm going to look at you sideways. I'm going to do it in my heart now. But when God gets a hold of you and the Holy Ghost gets a hold of you, he makes you respond in a way that you know you normally wouldn't. Some of y'all know you want to cuss somebody out, but God says... Hold your mouth. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? How many of y'all know you could cut somebody in a minute? You know what tires are. You just go. Ain't nothing but God that them folk got them tires still on their car. Listen to me. If you and I cannot forgive the communities of people who have mishandled the scriptures and mishandle the word then we cannot move forward I don't need you to turn away from God because of what we've done let me say to every woman that has been made to feel as though you're Christian isn't it funny how pastors love to get the women's money in the church but then can't let the women lead in the church they ain't, got no, they ain't got no problem by getting their checks. Ain't, ain't, no, ain't no question about their money. But then when they want to do something in leadership, well, I don't know about that. Well, well what about my check then? Well, maybe you don't know about that. If God can, listen, if God can speak through a donkey, then don't tell me a, an intelligent, educated scholarly woman cannot be used by God don't you tell me that I've read the Bible too I apologize for churches that have looked over you just because of your gender if you are somebody on a journey with your gender here's the question what, we know what the Bible say pastor yeah we do Jesus was the living word. And what happened when the living word met people? I'm just curious, because you know so much. When you meet people, you're ready to judge them. And you're ready to tell them what they're not and what they can't be and what God won't do. Here's my question. What did the living word do when he met prostitutes and when he met tax collectors and when he met people that were in sin? What did the living word do? Can I tell y'all something? Let the Holy Ghost convict people. Let the Holy Ghost do the work. You ain't got to be holy. Who made you Holy Ghost enforcer? <laughs> who made you the person that is able to decide who is worthy to be in church and who is worthy to sit next to you and who's worthy to be in our assembly? Who made Joe just got through drinking yesterday, just still sleeping with everybody and you got 15 baby daddies? Who decided to make you the moral authority over who is worthy to be in church forgive us forgive us forgive us if you're transgender or binary or lesbian or gay whatever the term you welcome everybody everywhere but at church explain that to me you can go into the bar, you can go into the movie, you can go to the Grammys, but you can't come to church. 
Oh, pastor, oh, are you saying you're endorsing something? You ain't heard me say nothing about endorsing nothing. I'm talking about people that are broken, people that need God, people that are just wanting to worship, coming to church. And guess what? You are broken. You need God. You coming to church. So if God can allow grace to be on your sinful, broken self, then why can't God's grace be on somebody else too? It's time that we forgive this generation that has failed the next generation. I, I, I forgive them for they know not what they do. Forgive them because they didn't know what they was doing. Listen, don't you turn away from God because somebody didn't take time to see you. To see you. You know what blesses me? I'm, I'm done. That God sees me and still loves me. I don't know who I'm talking to. Maybe don't nobody know what I'm talking about. But, but God knows the Harvey Carey that you don't see. God knows the Harvey Carey that ain't the pastor in the pulpit. And God chose me. And if God can show that kind of grace to me, then surely I can show that kind of grace. The person who is graceless is the person who has not yet understood the grace you have been given. Grateful people show grace. Ungrateful people are intolerant because you think you got yourself here. You think it was your degree. You thought it was your 10-year plan. You thought it's because you lived in Southfield. You thought it was because you worked downtown at General Motors. You thought it was because of all of these things that you checked off of your list. Had it not been for God giving you the mind to go to school, had it not been for God giving you favor at that job, had it not been for God keeping your mind together, you would not be where you are. Don't you dare think it was you that got you where you are. But no, had it not been for the goodness of the Lord, I don't know where I would be. Is there anybody here grateful that God has been good to you? Show that goodness to somebody else. Show it to somebody else. Show it to somebody else. And so let me say to all of you that are turning away from church, turning away from God because of the sins of the church we're sorry let me end with this recently on January the 6th you saw flags Christian flags and crosses and Bibles as people took poles and in the name of God Push them into police officers because for the sake of what we call Christian nationalism this is a Christian nation and these liberals are taking over our nation so what are we going to do? A holy war. There's nothing new under the sun. I promise you at some point some other fashions are coming back again. How many of y'all remember bell bottoms? They coming back. They coming back. I'm, I, 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 they're going to come back at some point. They bell bottoms. They're going to come back. They, are they back? See, I'm, I'm late. They already, see? They already back. Fashionistas already know. They already been back. If holy wars happen before, they will happen again. January 6th didn't pull out of nowhere. But young people are asking the question, how can Christians... In the name of Jesus, beat people up talking about, I want to hang somebody. And listen, y'all, and got on their knees and said, Jesus, would you give us the power to break into the Capitol and find Nancy Pelosi? Because she is the enemy of you. Forgive us forgive us lastly let me just say this to my white brothers and sisters Harvey you know 
I'm sorry. You know, church is not a place for social conversations. Church is not a place for anything other than the gospel. And once we preach the gospel, Harvey, to people, changed people will change policies. It's not the role of the church to talk about issues because the role of the church is to talk about the word of God and people that hear it will be changed and those changed people will change laws. Lies. Because the same people that got saved during slavery didn't change the laws. Um, the Episcopal Church would not allow uh, this African-American man to worship. As a matter of fact, they had a segregated area. All the churches did, where the blacks sat in the balcony or in the back. So this brother, Brother Allen, was in prayer, in prayer, in the wrong place. And the deacons told him, stop praying. He said, could you just let me finish my prayer and then I'll go into my section. Get up now or you will be escorted out. His father was a lawyer. He gained his freedom. Alfred Allen was the son of someone very intelligent, had owned his own land. And that day walked out of that Episcopal church and started the AME church. The African Methodist Episcopal Church was birthed out of Alfred Allen being told, you cannot pray here. Harvey, why, why, don't, why don't you guys just be one with us? Because you wouldn't let us. And I'm not saying that things have not gotten somewhat better, but I don't know. But what I will say during Black History Month, is that the church of Jesus Christ in this country still is not addressing the issue of race. The Christian church still is not addressing the issues of disparity and inequity. And saying that Sunday morning is not the time for it. And Harvey, I don't understand why you're not doing more biblical preaching but doing all this historical stuff. Because the Jesus that I serve is not only the son of God, but he's also the son of man. And I need to show how his life intertwined in history and in society. And I'm not going to be a Christian that is devoid of understanding cultural context. Because we cannot lose a generation of young people that are not going to church or to God just because we have not explained things to them. Are you hearing me? So Citadel, get ready, get ready, get ready. I'm done. Because we're getting ready to go deeper. And there's going to be some subject matters that some of you are going to be grieved in your spirit about. Some of y'all are going to make decisions of whether or not this is the church for you. But as I finish, I ain't thinking about you. All right. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. If you knew what I'm talking about, then how you know what I'm talking about? Some folk don't know nothing. They're like, huh? And you're talking about, ah! You know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> Young people, let me say this now. I'm going to pray. I am so godly sorry that we have not stewarded Jesus well to you. I'm so sorry. Those that are online, if you've been the victim of sexual abuse at the hands of church folk, if you've been the victim of emotional abuse, control at the hands of church folk. 
if you've looked back over history and seen the church doing heinous things in the name of Jesus, we're so sorry. But my, my prayer for you is don't take that out on God. God is not that way. God loves you. He has a plan for you. And he cares about you. So forgive all of us crazy folk who keep missing it and come to him because he's waiting on you. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Father, we pray now for those who are listening who got a chance to kind of look at a overview of Christianity through the ages. Thank you, Lord God, that yes, we see the word of God, we see the Bible and the unfolding of things in the text. But that text played out in seasons of human history. And Father, we pray, God, for the people that have been negatively impacted by the behavior of the church. Father, please heal. We pray, God, for Christian leaders around the world that we would realize the important mantle that we have to be carers not only of your word, but carers of your very nature, the love and the grace that is you. Help us, God, to lean into that grace. And now, God, for someone that's listening, if you're listening and heads about, eyes are closed, and you would say, Pastor, you know what? I needed to hear this message because I needed to know that at least the church would acknowledge its sins. I needed to know that the church would at least acknowledge the fact that it's done things throughout history that have not been in alignment with the word of God. And if that's you and you said, listen, I needed that. But, but pastor, I also know that I've never given my life to Jesus. I've never surrendered to him. I've never accepted him. And if that's you today and you would admit that you want to know Jesus, the Bible says that there's a way that you can know him. The Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, you'll be a part of God's family. One of the great things about having heard what you just had a chance to experience is that your faith has gotten stronger. There's no way that you could have heard this message and your faith has not been increased. But where do we go? How do we move from faith to faith? The Bible is very clear that if you have not really made the greatest decision of your life, which is to become a Christian, you've really missed the great joy of the journey. So wherever you are, if you would like to have a personal relationship with Christ, do what the scripture says. Call upon the name of the Lord and you can be saved. Pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. I receive you now as my Savior and as my Lord. I'm trusting you and only you to direct my life in Jesus' name. Congratulations, wherever you are, that means that you have become a believer. For those of you that are already believers, your faith is now stronger. Don't be merely a hearer but be a doer and let's change the world. If you just prayed that prayer, you have an opportunity to reach out to us and we would be honored to serve you and help you in your journey. Uh, please contact us at area code 313-871-FORT or please visit us on our website, citadeloffaith.org. That simply spells C-I-T-A-D-E-L of faith. Org, all one word. We would love to hear your testimonies. We would love to hear your prayer requests. Know that you're in a partnership with us and you're not in the journey alone. Let's change the world together, one person at a time.